0: It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 221 for December twelfth, two 2010. Recorded December 10th. Ubuntu's latest semi-annual releases out, version 10.10, which means 2010 October, is known as Maverick Meerkat, although some people apparently were hoping for Mighty Manx. I didn't have time to do the upgrade until the first weekend in December, but I have done it now, and I thought I'd let you in on what I found. Now, something has to be disappointing, of course, so let's start with that. GNOME 3 was supposed to replace GNOME 2 in this version of Ubuntu, but development delays by GNOME means that that won't happen until next year, probably version 11.04, 2011, April. But there is a lot to be thankful for. Lucid Lynx, the previous version, already booted in about one-fifth of the time required by even the fastest booting Windows 7. Canonical says that the Maverick Meerkat version is even faster, and that does seem to be the case. Both Startup and Shutdown are far faster than with Windows, any version of Windows. The only way you can shut down Windows faster is just to turn the computer off. Meerkat includes GNOME 2.32, OpenOffice 3.21, Transmission 2.04, and Firefox 3.6.10. Some of the earlier updates made updating Firefox a painful process, and that's unfortunate because most people who choose Linux will probably also choose Firefox. The photo manager, FSpot, has been replaced by Shotwell, which allows users to post photos to Facebook, Flickr, and other services. You can update from within version 10.04 via the update manager, but... You'll need to modify the Software Sources panel because 10.04 is a long-term support release. The process is easy enough. Just visit System Administration Software Sources and open the Updates tab. Then change Check New Distribution Releases to Normal Releases. After that, you'll be presented with an option to install the new version. Easy. When you reboot the system, following the update, you'll find new themes, icons, and default wallpaper. You would expect that. You'll also see some new typefaces, the Ubuntu font family, that improve readability. And you'll find some new sections in the software center, including a new package installation history. And although Ubuntu is open-source software, you'll also have the opportunity, via the software center, to purchase some commercial software. In the previous version, Canonical introduced the online Ubuntu 1 service. Users receive 2 gigabytes of online storage without charge. These days, 2 gigabytes isn't much. But now it's possible to upgrade for less than it was before. 20 gigabytes for $3 a month, or about $30 a year. And there's now a Windows client for Ubuntu 1 in case you need to use what Canonical calls a legacy operating system. The bottom line for Ubuntu 10.10 for cats, Maverick Meerkat is the latest, slickest version of Ubuntu Linux yet. This is an operating system that the average computer user can install to dual boot with Windows. At least so long as that average user is willing to read the instructions and follow directions. For more information, visit the Ubuntu website. You'll find a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. I was recently involved in a discussion of domain names and suggested that anyone who's in business and uses a Yahoo or Gmail or AOL address is telegraphing a message to prospective clients. That message, I suggested, is "I'm not serious about business; I just play here." And that started a firestorm of protest from people who run their businesses from Yahoo gmail or aol accounts if you've read what i write for more than a few months you probably know that i'm a liberal but carl rove got one thing right absolutely totally right when he said that perception is reality if people perceive you as being serious about business then you are even if you really aren't and if they perceive you as just playing around then that's what you're doing even if you're dead serious about your business. Perception is reality, really, and there's nothing you can do about that. When it comes to perception, people expect a business to have a telephone number. Some people may expect you to have a fax machine, although that's less important these days. They expect you to have business cards, letterhead, and a logo. They expect an email address with a domain that matches the company name. Now, if you were thinking about buying a car, would you treat messages from these two addresses equally? Number one, joe.dealer at yahoo.com. Or how about internet.sales at bigdealer.com. Would you be likely to buy books from Amazon at hotmail.com? And what if your bank's email address was joe.bankofamerica@aol.com? at aol.com? companies register domains and set up email servers because the people who run the businesses think it makes sense deny that fact all you want but the simple fact is that a real email address conveys a certain gravitas a panache a style a presence and it's not expensive either domain registrations cost 10 to 20 dollars a year a year and you could buy domain hosting with email for twenty dollars to a thousand dollars per year i found plans in the one hundred dollar per year range to be the best bargains you can find free hosting but it's not something i'd recommend unless you're planning to host a hobby site let's make the distinction between jobs and hobbies a job pays you money a hobby costs you money i've talked about this before but i repeat it now because some people like to make changes at the beginning of a new year so now's your chance This doesn't apply just to businesses either. I had the foresight to register blinn.com, so I use that for my own address and for my wife and daughter's. I have separate domain names for techbiter.com and enlighten.us. Each of the domain names requires separate registration, but I can add them onto my basic account at my $100 per year hosting service. There's no shortage of domain registrars. Some of the better-known registrars include GoDaddy.com, Register.com, NetworkSolutions.com, or you can choose from any of hundreds of ICANN registered registrars. You'll find links to all of those on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And when it comes to hosting, my favorite is Bluehost, but there are other good hosting services. GoDaddy does some hosting. 1in1.com One is a pretty good service. Vario.com, a little high-priced, but reliable. Or choose for any of the hundreds of hosting services you'll find with a Google search. But beware, offers that seem too good to be true probably are... A survey of 58,000 ConsumerReports.org readers in the U.S. suggests that AT&T doesn't provide a lot of satisfaction. Of all the carriers listed in the report, AT&T was the only one that scored lower this year than last year. This was one reason that some potential iPhone buyers have stayed away. Apple's phones work only on AT&T's network. According to the Consumer Reports blog, more than half of the AT&T users who have responded have an iPhone, and iPhone owners are much less satisfied with their service providers because they say that web browsing and email don't work well on the AT&T network. In a significant turnaround, Sprint is about even with the former top-ranked Verizon, which is now number two in customer satisfaction. In recent years, Sprint has not performed well in the rankings. And U.S. Cellular, which serves about half of the United States, mainly Midwest and South, actually beat Verizon in customer satisfaction. The survey is part of the annual cell phone report package. Although it's the January issue of Consumer Reports, the magazine went on sale this week. The ratings include city-by-city listings for 23 metro areas. In short circuits, Microsoft says that tracking protection is a new privacy feature in Internet Explorer 9, which has been out in beta since September. Tracking protection is intended to block third-party websites from tracking your browsing on the web. A third-party site is one that's separate from you and separate from the site you're visiting, hence third-party. Tracking protection will allow consumers to filter a web contact if it attempts to connect to an off-site tracker. Microsoft Vice President Dean Havakovich, head of the Internet Explorer development section, says that developers are trying to find the right balance between real consumer benefits that can come from sharing while providing the user choice and control regarding privacy. Tracking protection allows individuals to indicate which websites they will share information with and those they won't. This is done by adding tracking protection lists, and you can install more than one list. By default, there are no lists included in IE9, and by default, the feature is also turned off. Some web addresses can be placed on what's effectively a Do Not Call list, while others might be added to the OK to Call list. Then, the user needs to enable tracking protection. So, watch for that in Internet Explorer 9. Here's a pretty common headline. Google is being investigated again. Let's face it, Google is an easy target. Connecticut Attorney General Richard Blumenthal is trying to force Google to surrender the data Google says it inadvertently collected while operating its Street View service. Blumenthal, who will take a seat in the U.S. Senate early next year, seemed miffed that Google won't show him what it got. Blumenthal says the legal action is like a subpoena. He terms it a civil investigative demand and says that it's essential to verify what data Google collected to assure that there's no repeat performance. According to the Attorney General and Senator Elect, Google has already permitted international regulators to view the data, but they won't let him look at it. Google has admitted that it accidentally scooped up Wi-Fi data, including passwords and, in some cases, email messages. Now, it's not like Google was actively seeking out private or encrypted data. Anything the company gathered came from unsecured Wi-Fi networks. If you don't care about your data enough to install basic security on your Wi-Fi network and broadcast private data to everyone in your neighborhood, why is this a problem for Google? Google says it was a mistake and that it's sorry to have mistakenly collected payload data from unencrypted networks. When the company realized what had happened, I quote, We stopped collecting all Wi-Fi data from our Street View cars and immediately informed the authorities. Google says it did not want and never has used the data and would simply like to delete it. That's not possible, of course, until people like Connecticut Attorney General Richard Blumenthal stopped demanding the right to look at it thanks for listening to tech Biter worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes i'm bill blinn check out the website www.techbiter.com, and if you like send me an email from there thanks bye-bye